Welcome to another episode of In the Name of Service, a podcast committed to sharing the untold stories of those who selflessly serve. Each episode features an interview with men and women who have been called to a variety of service-focused roles, such as the military, law enforcement, ministry, volunteering, and more. You aren't likely to know the names of the individuals you meet here, but our hope is by the end of our time together, you'll not only know their stories, but possibly be inspired to write your own in some way. Humble in nature, but strong in character, these everyday men and women showcase what it is to truly be a servant. We're glad you're here. Now here's your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. Inspiring episode of In the Name of Service. I'm your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. As a United States Army veteran and operational psychologist, I've spent my career working with military and law enforcement units conducting in-depth interviews with hundreds of individuals who are hoping to earn their place on high-risk, high-performing teams. In most cases, they've already put in years of grueling physical and mental work just to get a chance to serve and sacrifice more. And that type of selflessness is special, and I feel worthy of recognition. While each person's story is unique and every path to service different, their goals are similar to do something more, to be part of something bigger, to make a difference. These difference makers were the catalysts behind this podcast, and it's my privilege to share their stories with you. Today, I get to introduce Abby. Abby and I worked together at an Air Force unit, and we had the greatest privilege of being on probably the greatest team on earth. That's still how I think about it. Abby brought all kinds of things to our team that we didn't even know we needed. And we threw so many different things at her and she crushed every single one of them. But by training, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's also the founder and editor-in-chief of Legacy Magazine. Welcome, Abby. Thank you, Barb. It's so good to be here with you today. I couldn't agree more with how special and unique our team was and a team in which I will forever be grateful for. I believe we were able to form some lifelong relationships. Agreed. So as you mentioned, I am a licensed in marriage and family therapist. I still work within the Air Force community. It is a gift to kind of walk alongside our military couples and families. I am the founder and editor-in-chief of Legacy Magazine, uh, which is an independently published magazine for the military community. I am also the mother of two lovely daughters, one who is 10 years old and the other is six years old. They are very similar in appearance, yet very different in (laughs) personality. I'm also married to my junior high crush, Um, who is nearing who is nearing his 20th year of service within the military awesome so we're gonna dive right in abby and i can't wait to learn more about you too because this is just stuff that you don't typically cover at work um can you describe for us a little bit about your upbringing and what experiences you believe helped shape you into the person that you are today Absolutely. So I grew up as a minister's daughter. Um, As a minister's daughter, my upbringing was rooted in faith and a rich curiosity for human behavior. My parents, (laughs) both my parents were ministers, pastors within our church, and they naturally served as my first role models. It was their commitment to serving our local community and also pairing that local ministry with international 
mission trips that instilled in me a sense of compassion, empathy, and responsibility towards those around me. You know, I know you've heard of it. This this theme of like, you know, preachers, kids being the most unruly and rebellious, but you don't seem to. Why, why do you think that is? Uh, maybe it has to do with being a middle child. I, I don't know. I don't know the science behind <laughs> that specifically. I, I will say there were four of us. And while none of us strayed too significantly, I will say that perhaps I stayed somewhat closest to my parents' original beliefs. And I will also say why I think none of us really strayed significantly was because our parents presented the gospel to us in a way that didn't feel forceful. Yeah. And it felt we as in if a we had There was a no reason to get out. Exactly. Exactly. We certainly did behave in ways that they weren't always proud of. But when we did, we were also met with care and compassion. Yeah. Why or how did you choose the path to become a licensed marriage and family mm -hmm. therapist? Yeah. So I truly appreciated the counseling and mentorship that was offered within the ministry I grew up in. However, I felt that I wanted to pursue additional training and education when it came to the realm of psychology. So that's when I decided to do an undergraduate in counseling and psychology. It was during my undergraduate studies that I had the opportunity to participate in a three-part semester series in marriage and family therapy. And it was in As this an course. Yes. That's we had that option. Wow. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it, it wasn't optional. It wasn't absolutely needed um, or it, it was an elective, essentially a specialized elective. So after taking that first course, I went on to take the second and the third because it resonated so strongly. It was within this course that I started to recognize that the relationship that I was in at that time of my life, it was a then fiance, it looked very similar to the dynamics of my parents' early relationship with one another. And my parents over the years were able to kind of, kind of strengthen their relationship and also eliminate some dynamics that weren't helpful for a family uh, family upbringing. Um, yeah. So I found myself in a very similar dynamic within my own relationship. And uh, that, that course helped me understand that we often repeat those patterns if we aren't aware of them. Right. Uh, so I often, I often refer to ending that relationship at 19. I was so young. Oh my goodness. So close baby. to getting married. Oh. Was it specifically, uh, I, like, what are those red flags in that relationship? Like, just what are some of the behaviors that yeah. we're all like curious about? Like, okay, well, what was it? I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. So behaviors were that it felt familiar. That was kind of why I found myself in it. The dynamics yeah. were so similar to that of my mother and father. And then the red flags, I think the major red flag was that I believed I was in that relationship because I could endure the type of treatment that individual was giving me. I almost Whoa. thought as if my, right? I almost thought that my childhood had prepared me or conditioned me to endure 
this individual's poor treatment as if it was my calling in life or my, my, my cross. Across the bear. Um, but it was, yeah, right. Um, but I, I realized it was my studies in psychology, which was at a faith-based university, which I'm also appreciative of, um, that helped me realize that it was actually more of just a subconscious comfort, right? Mm -hmm. It's what felt familiar. And it's not, right. It's not a dynamic I had to endure. Um, And then I'll also say hearing the stories of others that had removed themselves around that time, it was, I felt the Lord was very instrumental in, in having others share with me similar dynamics that they then removed themselves from. So it gave me that courage to kind of disconnect myself from that dynamic. Yeah. So I want to jump to the future, but I'm going to hold myself back a little bit. Just take us from there, if you will. Take us from college. So from college, I decided to, from undergraduate, I then decided to move on to a marriage and family therapy graduate degree. It was in that graduate degree that I started talking to my husband, my now husband. Again, we had originally met when we were 12 and 13 at a youth camp, a youth summer camp. I mean, he was a quiet and sweet boy from afar. (laughs) So we reconnected. We had mutual friends that had stayed close throughout the years. And we were actually, he was about to depart for 11 month deployment. Um, So this was in 2008, 2009. And we became pen pals, if you will. And (laughs) through that pen and through that, through that communication and that time apart, we actually were able to form a very deep connection in regard to just processing and discussing our experiences up until that point in our lives. So it just While most people don't view long distance relationships as ideal, it's something that proved to be very significant and beneficial for us because it allowed us to, or forced us even to communicate on a very deep level. Um, We often joke about turning, turning our what turned into like a 53 page word document into a book one day but we'll see we'll see if that ever happens (gasps) please do that now we all I want to read every word of it okay you guys are now obviously you mentioned you've got two beautiful daughters and he's almost now at that 20 year mark I know that you guys have, I mean, I'm going to go back and use the word endure because some experiences are, they just call Mm -hmm. for it, but you have endured and experienced a lot of things as in your role as a military spouse. What do you think? Well, first of all, just in a nutshell, how would you describe your experience as, as a military Mm -hmm. spouse? Yeah, I, I would say one of my greatest lessons or greatest experiences has been recognizing the power of community. Mm-hmm. And I I believe I came to the table or I came to the situation as a military spouse with fears of the transient nature of my life. Right. However, I found that my initial fears of perhaps not being able to pursue the career I was interested in pursuing, not having support from friends and family to be the opposite. So I found that the shared experiences within this community um, and that 
mutual understanding that comes along with that can help foster an even more deep and meaningful connection. So I've found that this community has offered me some of my greatest confidants, whether that's personally or professionally. And there's something to that sense of shared humanity or shared experience that has helped mm -hmm. create that dynamic, mm -hmm. if you will. There is, it's like, I guess anywhere you feel like you belong, there's just this instant understanding, at least some aspects of one another's lives. Like take the team that we were on together. There was you, me, Maria, who else? Delisha. Celeste. All of us were military spouses. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Anyway. Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just funny. I had never been around. I mean, I had been in the military community, obviously. But to, I had never been on a team with that many women and it was, it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's not that, I, I don't think we were randomly thrown together by any means. And I don't think mm -hmm. that just because we were military spouses, we were a great team, but it certainly added, it kind of leveled us up, I think, just in our ability to communicate with one another Absolutely. and get along. So what do you think has been your greatest challenge? in this role? Um, there's certainly a great deal of uncertainty that comes within the life of a military spouse or a military family. It's one of the most common denominators, if you will. The only thing that is certain is that things will be uncertain, right? Mm. Or the only thing that's predictable is that there's a level of unpredictability. And I would say that also early on, there was this need for me to disconnect my identity from from my disconnect my identity from uh, whatever position or career or title I held right mm -hmm. we often talk about how military spouses sometimes need to put their hopes and aspirations on hold right right so by being able to disconnect my identity from a specific role or a specific title or a specific position, I was then able to redefine my identity and sense of security in a set of core values. Um, and then by identifying what those core values are and by identifying what I want to anchor myself to intrinsically, it allowed me to then apply those, it would allow me to then apply those core values to any position or any role that I found myself in. And while that was certainly a challenge to do and a process, <laughs> it's been such a beneficial process yeah. for me. Why do we anchor ourselves to those mm -hmm. titles? You know what I mean? Like that we see ourselves and yeah. our identity in that label. I, I think it has a lot to do with society and culture. I think it's how we're conditioned. Um, it's certainly important to work hard and, and strive for excellence. But when we, I think when we put ourselves in a very narrow, a very narrow, specific direction, we limit ourselves to how diverse and how diverse and also, I'm looking for a specific word, uh, how diverse and complex or how rich things could be yes. if we consider more than that. So I definitely think it's societal, right? I definitely think it's conditioning and in, in that that's kind of, we, we do that in which we were taught. Yeah. Right, Jen? Yeah. There's like this unseen good enough structure. And sometimes we put certain labels at the top, you know, like doctors and lawyers right. and 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 then go down from there, I guess. But on the flip yeah, side, what do you think, was there a catalyst that, because I mean, 
we, we talked so much about that just early when we did that peak performance course, you know, our special operators come mm -hmm. in there, they've been twice assessed and selected. And we are saying, Hey, we're not going anywhere. We're not going to do any training until we talk about these things. And some of it mm -hmm. is like marriage and family stuff, some of it's personality. And then a lot mm -hmm. of it is like, what is really important to you? Because if you don't figure that out now, it, it mm -hmm. can affect all the other hard work, especially if it's really hard. So what do you think, was there a catalyst mm -hmm. that, that pointed that arrow from, I'm going to get this job and then I'll go here and to, no, 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 it doesn't matter what role I'm in. This is what is important to me. Does that make sense? Like, was there an event or was it just a reckoning that or a recognizing that? I, I, I want to say it was less of a specific event or occurrence and more of a discovery or a knowing. And, and I think it was, I think it was, I'm sure I was influenced by the work and literature I was reading throughout right. the years. Right? Yeah. I'm sure I was influenced by the need to, for a season to lay down my career and support my husband and support right. of having young children. Right. I, I also think it's led by the understanding that while we can certainly strive for a certain position or a certain title and, and, and we want that drive, right? And, and that is good and that is important and that is needed in our world that we can do that and be very dissatisfied in it. Yes. And what I found is that we are dissatisfied anytime we tie our sense of security, our sense of stability to external factors that can yes. be taken from us. One hundred percent. Yep. Because, and some, I've talked to some of the guys that we've worked with and in private, they are terrified. Not, not overall. I'm just saying it's a terrifying thought to right. say I'm 32 yes. and I've already hit my mountaintop that I've been, you know, now what do I do? Right. So tying value to a specific achievement is so dangerous, but especially in the life of a military spouse where, you know, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and transition, mm -hmm. knowing what's really important to you and those core values can keep you steady in any storm. So how did you go about figuring those out? Um, so again, I think that had to do with the people I surrounded myself with, the books that I read, and just the, the, the drive to pursue awareness. Yeah. I think, I think we could tie this back to our upbringing and our conditioning and why I feel so passionate about helping individuals understand how their earlier experiences influence their current dynamics in life, right. whether at home, with friends, or in the work environment. So I think when we can truly understand our motivation for why we are pursuing a certain thing, we're more likely to become aware and walk in consciousness rather than subconsciousness. Yeah. So I, I truly think it it's it's a journey. It's a process. It's it's a it's a willingness to question our motivation and and if that motivation is healthy. Right. Oh, that's us. so good. You know what we might even do is link a like a core values exercise to this. Yes. This episode. I think that's a great idea. It can be so powerful. And guys, like I have led hundreds of people through a core values exercise. And then I eventually yes. been to it. And it was, of course, powerful. 
why didn't I do it earlier? Absolutely. Anyway, even if you think it's hokey, you need to do it. And I promise you, you're gonna love it. So you've held this really intimate, private space for people in some of their most painful times, because not only is it hard when things are not going well in your most intimate mm -hmm. relationship, but sometimes in the military, that spouse doesn't return home at some point. This can be difficult work. What do you think? And I know you're skilled in this area. What, what keeps you going during those times, Abby, and still available, willing, ready to continue serving? Yeah, it, it certainly is hard to hold space for someone when they are processing a loss or processing a transition or processing hardship. I believe from an object, objective perspective, it stretches our emotional boundaries. Yeah. And it can test our resilience. It can also, as humans, call upon our deepest reserves of empathy. Yet I feel that this act of sitting with someone in their discomfort is one of life's greatest honors. The the privilege of being invited into someone else's vulnerability um, can be a profound testament to our shared humanity. Yeah. And, and, and it's in these moments that we are reminded of our interconnectedness, our common struggles, and the universal longing for understanding and compassion that we all have as human beings. So I feel what keeps me going in those moments is the belief in the transformative power of facing hardship and then the transformative power of facing that hardship with someone else. I've seen how well we can't, we can't speed up grief. We can't fix grief. There is healing and enduring that grief with someone else. And, and, and that is what keeps me motivated to keep going. Um, I think another another important element to showing up for others and their hardship is having a very deep and deep dedication to self uh, self-care mm -hmm. right and being able to kind of prioritize the need for the basic levels of Maslow's hierarchy of need um, and recognizing in order to show up for others, we have to first care for self. Um, can't pour from an empty cup as the popular saying is. Yeah. So I want to say like when it comes down to pragmatics, it's, it's making sure I'm moving my body. It's making sure I'm hydrating. It's making sure I am holding space for my family. I'm holding space for self-reflection in order to show up as my best self in those moments where people are in need of a, a very, a very deep level of care and compassion. You have an extreme behind the scenes into the struggles of military couples and families, considering all you've learned from your own experience and, you know, just personally, and then that experience you have professionally, what are some what either advice or resources that you would recommend, even if people feel like, hey, I'm doing it all right right now. I don't need a thing. Yeah, I, I often reflect on the work of relationship work as unique in the sense of it requires you to hold space for 
not just one individual, but two individuals or three or four or five. And so often in military couples experiences or any couples experience, those can be very dualistic experiences and expectations, right? So what I've found most helpful in in holding that space for opposing opinions, if you will, something else, something that I've found myself doing is recommending books and resources that speak to the need to hold what is termed dual pluralism, or I'm sorry, confident pluralism, also known as dual pluralism, is the understanding of it's not about identifying in the relationship who is right and who is wrong, which is so often what we desire. We come to relationship work with the hope of like, well, someone just affirm I'm right about this situation. But it's being able to expand our understanding for the other person's experience and to be able to build compassion for the our partner's experience or our child's experience or, or vice versa. So I found myself, I find myself recommending books even outside the relationship realm or the couple realm. And some of these books include include Uncommon Ground by Timothy Keller and John Nazu. And then I also recommend The War for Kindness by Jamil Zaki. And then I also recommend Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. Okay. I will I'll mention all of those by name in the show notes too. And if we can we'll have links for them. And yeah, it's just such a nice way that people can do their own work on their own time, but still grow. One of the, I mean, it's probably not surprising, but even as members transition out, they, they say, okay, my family's kind of been on the back burner. Like we talk about a little bit, acknowledge it Mm -hmm. a little bit, but now I'm finding, Mm -hmm. you know, my kids are growing, right? Like my wife or husband and I've been together for a while now, and I need to work on that. And we're so good at being you know, good at our jobs. And then we're like, we look at that relationships and we feel like we mm-hmm. don't know what we're doing. So just having some resources and motivation is really, really helpful. Okay. I'm going to switch. Yeah, I think. Go ahead, Abby. Uh, I, I think too, this idea, this dynamic that you hold within relationship work can also be applied to our greater society right now. I think we're in a very like polarized time. So I think if we can build, I think if we can build and focus in on our relationships within our home, we're essentially working towards building a greater tomorrow or greater future. Um, So that's something I often reflect on when, when couples are at the point or a service member is at the point of transitioning and a family member or a family has been on the back burner for a variety of reasons out of necessity oftentimes, right? right? right. Um, how that can become their new mission, right? And in building and, and cultivating their home life in a new and intentional way and in, in thinking about how what an impact that will have on the future. That's so good. Can you describe it just a little bit more? So like how could, and this, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm wondering this because in my role as a wife and a mom, a mom especially, because for me, that's the harder part. I often have to tie it to, to something greater. Like my, the work I do mm-hmm. as a mother has eternal reach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think Esther, Esther Perel does a good job in describing how if we want to see 
If we want to see greater clarity in the world, greater, greater peace in the world, greater understanding in the world, we have to first start within our home, right? We have to start with what's right in front of us. And if we want to see something specific in the world, right? A commitment to service, a commitment to faith, a commitment to a certain type of, of, uh, missions work we have to we have to work to instill that in our children's lives right um so it's getting creative about how you do that and very intentional rather than simply going through the motions and simply enduring the different right. developmental stages of childhood it's how do you in, how do you incorporate those core values and those core characteristics within your home life or your daily life how do you yeah. model that because so much of what children learn is caught rather than taught right so how do you get on the same page as a couple you can do that by a, a relational core values exercise and then how do you then model that and prioritize that within your home so one way we do that in a tangible sense is is identifying core values for a couple and then we move into what's called a family vision statement yeah um, and then you can take that even a step further and identify what are your policies and procedures as a family and and essentially what are the observable behaviors that you and your family um, incorporate to your day-to-day -day? so that's it can be a very enriching process especially at that transition point for individuals couples and families yeah. it's like a, a new focal point in life right yes and it's so grounding too especially you know life with mm. kids can be super chaotic there's always a lot going on they're mm. always changing and growing yes. and to have that that you can go back to every day and just take a deep breath and say okay how did the day go as far as you know our family living by these goals or not not goals living by these values okay let's now i'm going to shift gears a little bit and i want to hear more about legacy magazine what what started that in your that's a big undertaking and it's beautiful if you guys haven't seen it you need to go and seek it out it's legacymag.org is that right yes magazine.org okay go and look at the type of material and content that this magazine is putting out it's really incredible and not only are they putting things out they also have things and i'll let abby talk about them that enrich people's lives more than just what they can read so how did it all start though i haven't heard this story so it started uh, it, i want to say the first seed was planted when i first began my journey as a military spouse or military girlfriend as i mentioned before that was in 2008 2009 and knowing that my then boyfriend now husband was considering continuing his service within the military, um, I began to get curious about how individuals before me had kind of faced the woes that you often hear about as a military spouse. You often hear that you're going to be moving consistently. You might have to put your career on hold, or there might you be all the challenges. Exactly. That's and and that is exactly what I discovered when I went to the available literature at that time. It felt that the popular literature, the pulp pop culture literature, only focused on the negative. 
right? Or when it did, or when it did focus on how, how to navigate certain situations, it was like five tips for how to X, Y, and Z. And that (laughs) felt very surface level. Right. Uh, How to all there is a place for every how to certainly, Um, but it felt very surface level. Um, So that was my experience early on. Um, But then I started to get invested in my community and I began to start working with different nonprofits, different local agencies and small businesses that were military oriented. And I saw a very different experience. What I saw was drive, determination, Mm -hmm. resiliency, motivation. And it, it was just truly inspiring to see the community in a very different light than what um, media often portrayed. So uh, myself and a few other friends at the time started to ask ourselves, what would it be like to start sharing these stories? And what would it be like to share these stories in a very tasteful way, in a very rich way, rather than just sharing stories to kind of get clicks right. or to get traction? Right. What would it be like to actually interview individuals and, and, and collect submissions from writers within the community. Um, so that is how Legacy began. And it's just been such such a tremendous journey since we opened the doors in 2017. Wow. It's beautiful. I'm so impressed by it. Everything about it is beautiful from, yeah, the, the words, but the character of the people that, that are involved in big ways, small ways, the pictures, the layout, like it's just all really, it just feels really, really nice. So I don't even know what to ask or the question to ask, but I, I think it was last fall took a, a writing course provided by mm-hmm. Legacy Magazine that was life-changing. So you guys are doing more than just putting out, you know what I mean, good reading material. And you also have, if you go to their website, you'll see these free resources for you know, spouses and families. Mm-hmm. So you're going above and beyond. And I can definitely see mm-hmm. that the intent behind it isn't, it's motivated by just caring mm-hmm. about the 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 population and then and also like holding and not only holding but like preparing and equipping others to do this good work because it is good work absolutely yeah yeah absolutely uh, i'm so glad to hear that that course was a, a positive experience for you it's a very intimate experience is what mm-hmm. i often hear it referred to I mean, it truly is a gift to be able to walk alongside writers and creatives in that way. And in the ahead, I see Legacy expanding their resources and offering opportunities outside the realm of what what has been the foundation of, of writing or creativity in print form. So I see us expanding and evolving beyond that. Absolutely. There is, there's so many things I think that are just on the brink of happening for Legacy Magazine. It's a beautiful space and place and highlights beautiful people. So everyone needs to go check them out. Let's say, Abby, that someone has been listening to you and your story and there's some things that feel relatable to them. They also feel a call on their life to, to serve in some way, but they don't know how or where to get started. What? would you suggest? So this is going to go back to my earlier reflection, starting with your core values. I think by identifying what you value, it allows you to then identify 
what roles will allow you to lean into those core values. I also encourage individuals to identify um, their strengths and what fires them up. I think some literature or resources or books that help people get in this mindset is Start With Why by Simon Sinek and then Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I also find that resources such as Power Sheets by Laura Casey, who is also a veteran military spouse, can be very power, a very powerful tool in regards to identifying what you want to do with your life <laughs> and with your future. Yeah. Let's just break that down a little bit. Now, do you have some of those power sheets available or something similar? I I do. I do have a resource that is very similar to that. And I, I think it's called From Abstract to Action. Okay. And that's one that we produced through Legacy. And, and we've actually done a, two workshops and in, two in-person workshops based off that that template. So we could certainly make that available. Because that's what it feels like to people as I have more of these conversations, not necessarily with the Absolutely. guests, but with people who were like, okay, well, yeah, I feel, I feel it. Like I'm on fire. I want to do something, mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's murky. It's so murky and it is abstract. And so uh, what you're saying is, hey, maybe one step is just doing some work and figuring out what those core values look like mm -hmm. and what you might be uniquely equipped with as far as your strengths go. And there are some very practical resources to get you started on that. So we don't want it to absolutely. be murky for, or abstract, but... Right, absolutely. Is it just, you know, you kind of do these things and then you figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life and you're good to go? No, I think it's seasonal, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's, it's it changes with the season. And I think normalizing that is important. You never know what the future will hold. And I think if we can hold that with a sense of curiosity and um, we can be pleasantly surprised for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I read recently that the fruit of hope is endurance and it just, it's Ooh. ringing in my ears right now because of all the things that you've yes. talked about. So the thing that is produced by taking that view mm -hmm. of life, like having hope for the future what you get from that perspective is the endurance that you need for today. Yes. Right? I love that. Yeah. Okay. Abby, I've taken enough of your time. Do you have any parting words or thoughts for us? Just that I want to extend a warm thank you for providing this opportunity. It's been a pleasure to connect with you and your audience. Thank you. Thank you for being such, listen, Abby came to work the same every day. And this woman was getting up and doing legacy magazine work from like four to six, then coming into this full-time job. And she was always calm and kind and very stylish. So there is something, there's lots of things so special about Abby. And I think when you, you just need to heed, I think the, the words that, that she, and advice that she has for us all, but thank you for being a really bright, shining example for me and for all of those people out there that you meet beyond your professional work. So that's it. Until until we meet again, Abby, I don't know when that'll be. Well, thank you, Barb. Uh, the feeling is mutual. You've been such a gift in my life as well. Awesome. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another incredible episode of In the Name of Service. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe. And of course, feel free to share with those you feel would like to be inspired. Have a difference maker in your life that you'd like to see featured? Reach out to Dr. Barb Thompson at in the name of service at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.